Hello dear heart, welcome to the Flourishing Practitioners Podcast, where we talk all things about space holding, caring for our clients and succeeding in our businesses. We explore the wisdom from coaches, counsellors and healers. My name's Gabrielle Walker and I'm so honoured that you're here. Let's dive in. Hi beloveds, this podcast is with a dear friend of mine, Melissa Gama. This particular episode is one that I want you to listen to vibrationally. We know each other quite well, so we weave together with this energetic. There's a deep process, an honesty, a discovery, an unraveling, and a witnessing and a describing of the new emerging amidst us in our energetic and our consciousness revolution, evolution. And it is that. That is what we are doing here. There's an aspect of discovery, of owning that we'd never truly know. When we thought we knew, we knew, and now we don't. And that truth changes. So open up your energy fields to listen to this beautiful spirit. Let's dive in. So much for being here, Melissa. And welcome to our beautiful people who are listening from podcast land. Today I'm talking with one of my best friends actually even though we have only met in the physical ones Melissa Gamma and she is a channel a medium a spirit walker a translator of divine I would say and she works with individuals and groups and her journey has been across different cultures and across different understandings and on a personal level I've had the privilege to walk alongside you in, in that and our path of discovering where we sit in the world of spirit and energy and business and words, how we want to use words and if they mean anything. <laughs> so welcome today, um, Melissa. So glad you're here. Thank you. I, it's amazing that we met in an online group mm-hmm. and took off to Canada, both of us, and met one time, one weekend in person, and our connection, you know, I describe it as like a twin sister I didn't even know that I was missing in my life. That's how I feel about you, you know, and we're always in sync, and that flow just has been a proof of something so far greater and magical than I could have ever anticipated it so grateful to to know you to be around in your presence and to be here doing this with you again today I feel like that trip where we connected I went all the way to Canada to meet you I 100% agree I mean our souls have funny plans right (laughs) (laughs) you have to go all the way over here so that you can meet this person (laughs) you know for to see part of the journey and our evolution I think it's cool to to witness uh the changes that happen and the embodiment and the integration as well so I guess I wanted to start today with where are you sitting now with your practice and your world and your view of how things energy work for you and have been going through let's call it at least at four years at this point another spiritual or conscious awakening or shift again kind of playing on what you said about words we all bring into words our own meanings and depths and understanding 
I had one big kind of awakening that happened through a dark night of the soul process. And it woke me up to this bigger, magical, most definitely more connected to all aspects of life. And then this one that's happening, it's, and that was kind of, um, you know, I uh, took me on a journey of healing myself uh, through different ways. Like you said, cross-cultural and all that stuff. It led me down to the shamans and uh, working with my own shaman here in the States and, and shaman, 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 when I didn't even know what a shaman was, right? And then in 2019, in my last trip and taking groups to Peru, at least to this point, uh, this deeper voice began to speak within me and shake and rattle my world again, dissembling words, thoughts, concepts, and so on and so forth. And I should say too, when I was healing myself, I was also opening up to healing others. Like it was just coming. People were like, I've heard about you. I'm supposed to work with you. <laughs> like, and I'm like, what? You know, and it just kind of grew, you know, because you kind of met me in the beginning times. And I also started channeling people more frequently. I'd had some experience touch and go here and there, but it wasn't until I started really healing myself uh, that it could be a more clear channel to come out. Well, that pretty much has come to a new depth or new understanding. And through this deeper inner voice, there was an experience that I had that kind of shift, started shifting me away from the shamans. It was a human interaction, kind of like the story of the alchemist. You know, I didn't really know that I was still searching outside of myself, right, through the shamans. And I think we can subtly find ourselves in that without even aware that that's what was happening. In 2019, in my last trip, because of this human experience from the shamans where I'd have to learn to forgive and have compassion, and I was really being called to remember who sent me to the shamans in the first place, which I call God or universe, spirit, creator, source, I call it many things, but that which led me to them before they even knew who I was, right? So this voice starts speaking even deeper and wider to me that I've been led to another teacher uh, spiritually because this teacher has passed. He's been passed since uh, 1964. But everything he speaks was everything I was still feeling like I was missing in the shamanic practice. And it felt like a coming home again. So again, this other spiritual awakening. And then what I have found is my healing work, not only for myself, but for others, also expanded and shifted uh, in so many ways that I'm still learning to understand. I still have uh, the capacity to channel, and those that have crossed over will still, still come through. I can use words for some of the experience, and some of those word, words would be healings before I even got there. Instant healings when I showed up, <laughs> I still hadn't done done anything. Not that I ever believed that I did anything, but I did have this belief that I had to at least show up, <laughs> right? I had to be in the room. <laughs> now I was walking in the room and they were already crying and things were already happening. And I was just scratching my head because I'm like, you know, whereas before I felt like I could feel it or something, now it was even getting even lighter. And, and then this healer, my depth and understanding of consciousness is also expanding. So that's kind of where I find myself. I'm 
the awakening experience is so much lighter than my first because <laughs> the first was obviously a tilling of my own garden to prepare me. And now this one is because I'm prepared, I can hear from that higher consciousness the next, maybe maybe we can call it level. I never like that word because it's not like higher or lower, but the next, the next, whatever I'm here to do. So that's where I find myself. And just like with the other one, as you go along in your learning, it's not like you stop and go, okay, I'm going to study this for a while and then do it. You know, I'll, I'll have mastered it. You kind of learn and grow at the same time while you're doing the work. And then the words start to come and, and it gets a little easier, I guess would be the right way. And also, I hate to use this, but this is the words that are coming, you know, but more demanding in the sense of a uh, stronger discipline, more self-awareness. Like I can't just walk, walk out of the house, <laughs> you know, it's like I have I have to be in the discipline now. And if I'm not, there's re there's a stronger recourse. And I don't mean in a positive, negative way. I want to be clear in that. It's like when you know two plus two is four. You just can't go around saying it's five anymore. <laughs> and that's kind of what I mean. I know that I need to practice consciously now. Like I can't yeah, quite. I get you. I think initially I was like discipline. What discipline meant to me, I've gone the opposite way in terms of not being so rigid in what we would call tikanga in my culture, which is like practicing exactly this and that and prayers and, you know, that and for I would like compare myself to others in the world in a way and be like, oh, why do I take so, like, why does every decision for me that seemingly to others is so quick? It's such a visceral, long days and days process for me. And, but now I'm realizing that is the discipline of truly seeing the world as energy rather than a process to follow and how that will appear outwardly. One day it may be, you know, sitting in the role of shaman and another day it may be going to the supermarket and just feeling right. love for the supermarket. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's very true because you're you're either walking human consciousness or divine consciousness. And so the di discipline for me in it now is more being conscious to, to choose to open to that divine consciousness. Whereas before it was kind of like, it was just happening to me. <laughs> like it was just, and I'm like, I don't know where it's coming from. And I'll call it God. And I was, and amazing healings and things would happen. But now it's more like for me and, and where I'm, where I'm going, it's that understanding of the difference between human consciousness and divine consciousness. And so it's brought me to another level of even trusting, which is what makes it lighter. But if I wake up and just go on my day and I don't bring the divine into my awareness, then I'm just kind of walking my human self and anything and everything can happen. And again, not calling it positive good or or not, but now it's like, let thy will be done, not mine. But if I don't let thine will pass through me, then I'm still trying to do the human survival conditioning. That's what I'm understanding for myself, right? So then 
the channel is much more clear so that I can hear, okay, go to the grocery store. And I don't even know why. And I just know I need to sit in the grocery store. And then that's the purpose fulfilled, right? Versus before, you know, it could have looked like, oh, I have to create a course or I have to I have to go search or seek rather than everywhere of my being is is the work. So it's trusting that on an even deeper. It's sort of funny because I'm arriving at the same place, but oddly I'm actually creating more courses. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like even though I'm arriving at that same awareness of I don't have to create it. It's a weird paradox and how it's wanting to travel through me. But I was wondering when you were speaking before the bit that really pinged me and I see a lot um, in the different trainings that I do or run is that awareness or what we do when we realize we maybe have sought outside of ourselves or given our power away because I think it can be really easy when we learn a new modality or, or meet someone who has harnessed their mastery to yeah. to lose ourselves yes because the way that this new understanding is unfolding through me the best way I could kind of describe it is like this you know when you go to read a we'll call it a spiritual book. We all have access to the same spiritual books. They all have the same words um, that you and I would be reading at the same time, same thing. But it's not the words in the books themselves that are doing the work. It's consciousness. So I could be having an experience with those words, like the fruitage behind the words. And so I'm experiencing the divine, the grace, the healing, the conscious awareness. I'm having an experience of it. And maybe simultaneously while you're reading the book, it's it's just the words. And so it's going into the human consciousness and you can speak it and you can talk it and regurgitate it, so to speak. But there's no fruitage behind it. It hasn't developed through the consciousness yet. It's still in the human conscious form. So when we fall to kind of, like in my case, kind of falling to the teachers and there was a moment where it was like those subtle things and th- and that's kind of what triggered the kind of aha, right? Like, because when I was going down and having these healing experiences with the shamans and with the healing and then people wanting to do the healing and stuff, and then I started bringing groups, what I noticed is not everybody was having a healing. Look, it was, you know... I was kind of naive in that, well, if they just kind of went down and did what I did because I healed because of that. So that's like the human kind of conscious way of thinking about it. Whereas some would heal, some wouldn't. And so then I started asking questions like, how did I heal? And how do I have this understanding of consciousness enveloped through me, but someone else didn't, you know? And so those questions are then leading me home to then be open to even hear the next teacher that then I was like, oh my gosh, that's like, so again, the consciousness was leading or grace or God or however you want to call it, led me then not only to the shamans, but then the next teacher. But again, how beautiful that this teacher's passed. So I can't even like physically like (laughs) attack. And it's a perfect example of what I mean by fruitage because he's passed. So he's not I need more clients. I need more people to hear these. And yet, so he passes in 1964 and here we are in 2023. And that fruitage is blossoming through my consciousness left and right. Well, so it can't be this healer. 
right? Like, cause he's not physically with us. I mean, and it's different than a, in a channeling. Cause I didn't even know who he was. Like I was led so that I could hear what was next and to be open and to trust. And that was hard because my tendency being such a loyal person, and I'll just share with you what happened. Like I was leaving a meditation that I was leading and I was on this expressway here thinking about my brothers. I've worked through the forgiveness, so I can say that very freely now. But at that time I was, and I was like, I can't, I just knew I couldn't go back to the same, but I also didn't want to leave that because I knew who I was, right? Like, and this deep inner voice, loud, resonating voice spoke to me, kind of like, Melissa, if you would just let go, I have far greater plans for you. Those were the words spoken. And the earth shook because it was like, boom. The only way I can like describe it is like being at the master's feet. No different than my awakening before, other than I didn't want to live. So when I surrendered, it was from that place. Whereas this, I want to live. I appreciate life now. I'm not healing from that place. But it was like, and I also knew, oh, we're letting go. So each time we evolve like a little more, right? Um, so that would be the way that I would like describe that. It is an experience. Consciousness is an experience. I was holding on really tight to our practice, like the Romiromi and the Māori healing. And it sort of shattered me when I had a similar, like I, I kept getting the messages like that, that didn't listen. Number of clients were like growing and growing and growing, but my body and my own expansion and my own consciousness was like feeling smaller and smaller and smaller because I was in one channel of energy constantly because, because of the number of people and sessions I'm doing. And it's like, but consciousness wants to grow us all the time. And since I've let go of that, it just feels easier and lighter. Like everything feels aligned. Yeah. And 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 I had this experience as well. You're, you're, you were sort of like giving your power away to your teachers and I was giving it away to cultural practice, like keeping that in line. And this is how it goes. In us doing that, there's other people that are also maintain like so they're giving their power to us who are maintaining that. And then the power's like getting lost is actually no one's having it. Like I I wasn't having it because I was having to stick in a in a mold and they're not having it because they've given it to me, <laughs> whatever that is. And and so there's no it is a consciousness form, but it's not like the upliftment energy. Whereas like when we're more like you're allowing what emerges from you to emerge and then let it go. So this is like what wants to be voiced in this moment. It doesn't actually mean anything. We're wanting it to land with wherever it needs to land. There's a reason it's coming forth. It doesn't actually mean anything about me or how I'll practice tomorrow. Like tomorrow maybe I'll do a session that's completely traditional <laughs> and the next day I won't. That's actually just so much more freeing and liberating. And I've I've used this a couple of times, but we cannot rest on yesterday's mana. So mana being life force or energy, because yesterday's gone. So it didn't matter that I'd been to Peru seven times. It didn't matter all the shamans I'd worked with, the different variations of shamans that I'd studied under. It didn't fit anymore in today's mana. And so I was being asked, can I let go? 
can I trust? And also gratitude that I wouldn't be here without them. So it's not a letting go, see you later, I found something better, and here I'm on to a new practice. I'll try that before, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> we have to integrate Which it. the West loves to do. Oh, you didn't give me what you want, I'm going to go over here, right? Like, I've had people say, oh, you didn't meet my expectations in the healing. And I'm like, well, see, that's the thing. We're rising above human expectation. We're letting spirit. And what could I know that would be your healing? Because that healing might, you might need to go to rock bottom. And if I rob that from you and, and try to do it myself, so to speak, then consciousness might be delayed. I won't say it's prevented because it'll still happen. It just might be delayed. What I'm learning is on a grander scale uh, to be in today's mana, and that's financially, spiritually, physically, emotionally, that literally everything that is needed for this now moment is already there. But do you think my mind likes that? <laughs> Human consciousness is conditioned for sin, lack, disease, right? And so the temptations will be all around me. But that discipline comes in to prepare the day, like to get up and let it begin to flow. And then be conscious to take breaks in the day to come back to that truth. Because, yeah, we'll be get we'll get swept up as I did, and it was like we'll just come down and see Roberto and Renee, and you'll be healed, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. I mean, it's a little extreme, but kind of right. I was like, it's the medicine. Everybody then has to do the medicine, right? Like, and it doesn't. Consciousness will come through so many different means, and that's the slippery slope. I was shown, well, Melissa, but you've also had an experience in church and you've also had an experience in front of your children. And you've, so it wasn't just the medicine, like you've, you've been healing, you know, so what was doing the healing? Was it the shaman or consciousness through you as you surrendered more and more and more to today's life force, to today's mana? And I love, I love everything, Mana, <laughs> to really, so I, I love that addition. And I love it too. And funny enough, my, one of my favorite Spanish rocks, rock groups looks like uh -huh. Mana, but it's Mana. Mana. Oh, yeah. I, was in in I was in Ecuador when I was 17. I, I saw them in concert. We climbed, the, we were in the, um, it was at the football field and we climbed the fence to be in the bit that was like closer. I just a side note, there was a, one time when I was in Peru with a group, and I had had this tremendous release and healing. I was almost passing out. Like it was just that intense. And uh, my friends said, you need to eat something. So we went to go eat. And uh, I had made a comment like why to the shaman, like, why do I always have to cry? Like, why why couldn't I like rock it out to mana or something? Like, why is my healing always tears? <laughs> you know, joking, right? Well, after we ate, we decided to go for a walk. And as we were walking and I was, I was like, wait a minute. This sounds like Mana. So we kept getting um, closer and closer to downtown Cusco. And sure enough, it was a band singing the Mana songs. Ended up not being the actual, although they were like almost identical. The lead singer, everything. I mean, I they had me impressed, okay? Isn't that funny? Now I'm rocking out to Mana, you know, like as a healing. It was an unforgettable moment. So I just wanted to share that. I often tell the story of, um, and it's quite 
resonant for me of you know when we went to, we were trying to find water when we were in Canada to do a blessing and Ella's one was really like oh angelic and like I think you hit me on the head for mine <laughs> it's like get on your path and I've always just laughed so hard at that because I reached a point in my journey where I'm like, I do not want, like when I need to change, you can subtly tell me, oh, listen, I don't need to be hit on the head. <laughs> like it's such a metaphor for me. Please don't keep hitting me on the head. But having said that, that I still do occasionally, but making that choice to to try and listen and, and be more in tune with those shifts as they're happening and respond with whatever we're capable of at the time. I hope I didn't hurt you, but... <laughs> I'm having, you know, different dreams that include, and, and I want to be vulnerable enough to say this because I, I know for some people, this can be a riff, but it's true for me. I, I don't know the Bible. I don't have, I've had experience in Baptist church, Catholic church, Christian churches. Like I've just always been one that went to different churches for different experiences and different healings and different things. One time I was called to go to this church. Um, it like woke me up in my dream. I didn't even know if this church existed. Something's a voice. I call it said, you need to go to this church. You need to pray for specifically these people. And they were family members and I didn't know, but she was sick at the time. I didn't find out till after I came back and then consciousness let me know the deets, you know, kind of thing. But moving from that, then I started coming home and having these dreams of Bible passages. And then I'd wake up like, is this real? And then I'd Google, you know, these names and these numbers. And then sure enough, it was right there. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> like, okay, I'm paying attention. I'm listening. And so now, well, I don't know what my language is <laughs> because sometimes it might, like you said, one day shamanic one day people might confuse it for being religious I don't feel that it's really it's beyond that um, but it might sound like that right it might sound Catholic Christian or whatever group you want to put it towards but like the Bible sometimes it's such a deep presence and a deep silence that I've never even experienced before until recent yeah. And yeah, sometimes I get afraid too. You know, and I'm like, I know you're going to hit me over the head if I don't keep doing this. I studied um, ancient Greek, Bible Greek, whatever it was at uni. I don't even know why. I had a semester where I was doing Aboriginal spirituality, ancient Greek, and something else. And I like, it was normally if you're in the theology class, but because everyone asked you the Bible, they would normally translate a few words and then just route route translate the verse you know but I would have to do word by word by word because I have no idea what the bible was and then I you know I'd read the children's bible but I've never actually read the bible bible and I had my in my exam I had the most profound beautiful Jesus experience in the exam I was then just writing and translating but but it wasn't in my head it was such a a beautiful experience yeah that you just reminded me of and um I don't remember anything words or anything just that feeling and then sort of coming to and being like oh my god I'm in you know lecture hall where we're <laughs> <laughs> sort of like what <laughs> it was such a bizarre and just being like oh I think I studied that all semester to have that experience you know it's interesting you would bring that up because all through my journey 
I've had Jesus experiences in Peru, in the Inca temples. I was having these profound Jesus and they include Jesus. Like they are the Inca people and their story. They approached it from a place of inclusion versus these people are coming and tearing us apart. And that's why you'll see what they call wakas, right? It's like, the their whatever's remaining left of their stone in amidst these churches they they incorporated them and even one time on my trip a family trip we drove all night through the morning so we needed to sleep and uh, my in-laws took the kids while Enrique and I could sleep and then we woke up we had some time before they came back and uh, I was out praying on the land like I just had I was just feeling like this connection and that night I was awoken and I was having this Jesus experience where he was speaking over me in Aramaic. And what I saw, he has hands just go through me with like a, like the blood of him, like going through me. And I literally woke up to my menstrual cycle and I had this awareness of my menstrual cycle that I'd never had be like the blood of Jesus, like through me, literally, because the cool, and I was not even due to have it. So it was like early or late, I don't remember which. It shook my world in that moment. And then who do you, how do I go tell my husband? Like, I just, I mean, he's very good. He does listen. <laughs> but again, I'm the one with the experience. Then when I go to share it with him, it's just words. It doesn't have the fruitage. And that's why it's hard, right? We don't have the words, you know, with with partnership or with family and and walking this path. How do we how do we hold that and translate it? Because that's something I'm navigating at the moment is learning that that process of someone who has not not different views per se, but a different way of being. And yeah, my partner went through something recently, and I realized like, oh my god, I'm being I I I, had, I went into this space of. Like, I know how to process energy. Like, why don't you process energy like this? Like, like similar to what you were saying earlier about taking away someone's experiences. If we have different views around like our spiritual connection, like how do we walk sometimes with that and other? What I'm learning for myself, which may look different for other people, but for myself, what I've started to notice is when I'm speaking, let, let me give you an example. There are times where like healing just takes over and it happens and they're crying and and it was supposed to happen and they were supposed to hear whatever spiritual truth that came through and what have you, right? And then there's times where probably I'm more in the human consciousness wanting them to get it or understand. Let's be honest, that's probably the truth. And what I've noticed is those times when I'm speaking, Two, one of two things will happen. One, it feels like I'm straining my voice. Like when I'm talking right now, it feels very, but when this is happening where I'm speaking, but they're not going to be able to hear me or it's not the right time or whatever. It's, it's literally like, I'm trying to talk like this. <laughs> like, I'm like, what is, and I was just fine two minutes before, but it feels like a strain and, or they don't hear a thing. It's almost like, you know, you're in the same room and you know, they're looking at you and you're looking at them, but you're not in the same room and you're not really looking at each other because they don't hear a thing and they just keep talking. 
you don't feel, oh, that's rude. They're talking over you. It's not like that at all. It's like you're on different wavelengths and you're very aware you're on totally different wavelengths. Yeah. Yeah, When I used to do, for a few years, I did my sessions outside and sometimes people would walk, like I'm doing a little hand signal for those listening on audio like a centimeter they would be they would be missing us but they couldn't even see us we're doing a full session like on the ground and at that time you know I carried my drum and there was all sorts of things it wasn't like they would not see us at all like we were completely invisible to them and that's such a big was such a beautiful awareness about practicing wherever you are there are others who you wouldn't think would see you that are like captivated they'll stop and just be in it as well and the moments yeah. that do have meaning yeah so I totally I totally relate to that in the bigger picture that my human yearning sometimes are odds with my spiritual <laughs> knowing whether because they're not ready it's not ours to give there's just no grace happening there's no presence happening there's no spirit happening and so there's no liberation yeah and sometimes it's you know it's like our lesson to shut up well, yeah. I mean, since we're being honest, right? It's like, I'd say 98% probably is, is for us to, you know, like to just be quiet, you know, because, well, and think about it. One of the biggest teachings of Jesus is to pray in silence, to not pray of man, right? To not go and tell your good deeds. So for example, if we're having this healing in the grocery store, you don't go up to the person. I just want to let you know, this voice spoke to me and I'm supposed to be healing you, right? They look at you like deer in the headlights and be like, but if this voice, not because we think we can heal, but you're also being healed in that moment, you know, there's a difference. The earth is melting <laughs> as you're doing this. Then you just sit in that silence. You don't need the other person to know. You don't. And the way I guess I would say it from like a shamanic perspective is, you know, from my own stories, when I would come down, they didn't flinch, the shamans, when I would tell these deep stories of my life, you know, it was like, uh-huh, you know, and they would stay in silence and hold this space and not be moved from truth. And I feel like that's how I learned about truth. Whereas I think sometimes in the West, out of like this kind of, the words coming to me are like a protection culture. It's like, well, to be really listening to someone, you got to listen to exactly the stories they're saying. And what I'm learning is really listening is beyond words and beyond thought. Because how many of us fall into drama? And it's not really the story. I was really surprised. So when I studied counseling, which I, did, I started in the COVID time when we couldn't touch bodies, you know, because I was like, I was like, oh, well, I was, you know, what's a, what's a pivot? Oh, that, that was the word that was going around there. I'm like, oh, study counseling. But I actually fell in love with it. But one of the requirements as part of that is to receive supervision. And I was really, really, really surprised when I would sort of be processing like how, how I would. And they'd be like, oh, that must be really hard to handle. And I'm like, what? because of this reason because I'm not usually listening to the stories it, it I'm listening to that energetic shift that tells me that's the entry or the doorway for our work today it doesn't act like in, in a counseling process or in a healing process I feel like counseling psychology all of that all of my background is like you're focused on the human mind rather than the human spirit 
Yeah. And any happenings of healing only happen because we're touching upon the spirit, the spirit that was never broken, the spirit that's the wholeness, the soul. The stories tell us the conditioning that we're broken, that or that we are failures or lack or sin, disease, whatever it is, right? And so I feel like when we're holding for the soul to emerge through in that truth, you're holding for the person. It's not your fault. You were never broken. Whereas if we're just listening to their stories, then we're kind of like trying to fix the human conditioning. And there is no fixing. You know, Einstein said it, right? You can't fix the same. You can't fix the problems from the same consciousness that was created. So you can't go to where you created the problem in that level of consciousness and create a solution, which means where else you're going to get it from, but to rise within your divinity consciousness, right? And let it download or the right teacher comes or or what have you. But so many, I feel like, and when we're talking to our partners is when we are trying to do exactly that. I love right? that. I love that. Just do this, honey. <laughs> if you just do this, you'll be fine. You know, because they don't even know. And what do we know? We're saying we know, but maybe we're not even right about it because we're stepping in from that human space, from that divine space. So if I'm looking at my husband, oh, it's because he's worried or whatever it is, let's say that's an example, then I'm actually still looking at his brokenness. I'm still looking from the human condition. That's why he can't hear me, see me. But in times where I've held him in a more divine truth, that's when we've had some really deep and profound conversations so that deeper healing, deeper love, deeper forgiveness could happen. And so it's it's interesting because you're with your partner, almost like at least for me, I'm married to him, so I'm with him every day, you know, and you're with your children. And I've often thought, well, if I pass today, like, well, I just want to go write a book and like tell it, okay, here, <laughs> you know, like, and then when I have to come back to, it's like, well, my mom didn't do that for me. And somehow I'm here. I don't need to do that for them. That the same God or source consciousness is also operating them. And so when I start to look at my family that way or my clients, then it comes back to that truth of namaste, right? The light in me is seeing the light of you. And that's how heroin addicts can have spontaneous healings. That's how other people, whatever they're going through, can have spontaneous healings. But if I am just, oh, you're a heroin addict, you're, you're addicted, it's a disease, like kind of fall to the psychology of it, then I'm still meeting them at, from a human condition. And I and we can't solve the problem there. And in a way, this particular heal, healer, what he calls that is malpractice. We're malpracticing them. Like Fascinating concept. Because who wants to malpractice anybody? Nobody. It, it never sat well with me, this fix it, regulate narrative. Yeah. The example. This is the case study for the counselor because a lot of our practical or the examples would be basically like so-and-so's had a breakdown or they've had a child. They're trying to decide if they should go back to work. And I would always have the opposite view to everyone, like everyone, not everyone, but the goal or the objective of the session is to get her back to work. You know, it's like, but like, why? Why? Yeah, that's maintaining a a program. What if her deeper soul is wanting something else 
Right. Even though we're channeling or tuning in, it's the divine that's telling us, like, how would we know? And some of my sessions look messy because of exactly that. And I vulnerably say, I trust the messy, whether it be the messiness of the channeling, like some come out super clear and then others are like, hold on, we got to get them to clear this up a little bit. But we we don't even know sometimes that we're coming in with expectations. We can say, oh no, I'm not coming with expectations. But then when the session doesn't go, then we know we had expectations because we didn't, it didn't go the way we thought. And I had a woman um, come in one time and entering and stuff. And then I brought in her grandmother. All I said was, you have a grandmother that's passed and she stepped in the room. And she literally broke down, broke down. I mean, snot nose crying, broke down. And we just, and we were in it. We were already in it. Now we're really in it. And we just kept flowing. And she had a profound healing. Then I ended up speaking of the other people, which were on her expectation list, right? But she said, I was not expecting that (laughs) because the one she had the issue with was her grandmother, like a lot of her trauma and a lot of her stories. And we never even spoke of the problems. I just said, your grandmother has entered the room. And with that all came forgiveness, compassion, a healing, liberation, like just a spontaneous 100%. I'm not saying this to tap myself on the shoulder. What I'm saying this for is because what would we know? What if she's, and what what does she know? She had a list of people and grandma wasn't on the list, (laughs) but spirit knew the source of her being knew exactly what she needed to break this free. And it was without words. So talk about that silence, you know, really, it it doesn't always need to come in silence because I've had the opposite where I'll leave a session going, man, I really talked a lot there. Are you sure that was the way to go? (laughs) You know, and yet that's when a lot of people will be coming up when you said this. And I'm like, I said that. But what I have found when I'm talking a lot It's for usually those that are so used to mental gymnastics. They're so used to being that it almost confuses their brain and spirit can go through the back door while they're listening to me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it keeps their brain busy. That's in a way, I mean, this is my own descriptive. I'm not saying that's exactly how it's working, but that's what it feels like. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, because we're asking, what am I doing? It, it are, it, we aren't doing it. Right. Because with our partners, we know when we're talking, we're not going, what did I just do right there? We're like, no, you should really try it. Like, this is really, you know, and we just keep talking and talking and you know what I mean? And we don't stop to say, what are we doing? So it's almost then that, you know, even in this way, spirit has has used, not used, that's probably not the word, it's fulfilling itself through you. Yeah. Right. That's beautiful. I used to call myself a bridge and then someone said recently, you know, bridges are often trampled on. And I was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> then I was like, no, I'm not a bridge. <laughs> it's like unicorns. And <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of bridge you're on, but, you know, 
Yeah. Isn't that funny how like it can resonate and then someone gives us a whole different, I never thought of that as a definition for bridge, you know, Um, because the shamans use that a lot, that we're just bridges for consciousness. Um, And I never would have thought. I ran into him on a day. I was feeling really heavy, you know, as spirit arranges, but I was feeling really heavy. And and I I think I was feeling heavy in my bridgeness because sometimes when you are sort of stretching, because it's it's almost like, at least I've I've realized that my role here is like anchoring what I've known and embodied and then always stretching. So I don't really know where the bridge is going. There's not a, there's not a place in Land. it's a it's a willingness to sort of listen and attune and and move but also a human desire for that to be fairly easy at the same time <laughs> I sort of don't want to be a martyr either anymore whereas I was sort of accepting at certain points of my journey of being a martyr that was like acceptable to my essence like this is what it is to be doing this and that doesn't feel aligned for me anymore but at that point, there was this that that sense of like, and so it resonated. The bridge is the thing to work on, walk that we walked on. In terms of what metaphor does my essence want to hold now, rather than being a bridge? What came to my mind is is all what you're describing is also kind of what you had said before of a program, and even metaphysics. And healing, I have found, I don't know if if you have found this, also has its formulas. It has its programs. And I feel like what you're describing is kind of in that, you know, this idea of like, oh, I'm carrying somebody else's energy. And then you get brought to a different level of consciousness and you're like, how how is that even possible other than the thought itself, (laughs) Right. Because is energy dense? Is it, are you, you know, and you start to play around with that and go, oh. And so it's this idea that there's even more than metaphysics, but where everybody needs to be is a part of the journey. So if they, you know, they'll, everyone's going to go through metaphysics at some point, even those that we say may never get in in this lifetime, at some point they will come where we have walked. In fact, that's why. Masters are masters because they've walked in all of what we have experienced. And then there'll be a place where even that doesn't fit the bill anymore. And we let go because let us be reminded here, it's infinite. So if if we think we have figured out what infinite means, I have for my husband and my children, don't tell them, you know, but but for everybody else, I'll never come close. It will be a continual evolution and journey. And if I've trapped myself by saying I know, then what's really flowing through? Yeah, yeah I so agree. And I find that um, I've been realizing lately that one of those programs or traps that I received on the healing journey was that thing of needing to put everything positive. You know, like if I'm feeling heavy, it's like, I shouldn't be feeling heavy. I should be happy. It should be this. And there's an aspect of truth So every probably every program is an aspect of truth in a certain situation. Vibrationally, things are true. But when you're not in a space where that can be true, it's not true. It, it's a dance and that. And, and I've been really questioning that lately. And then allowing the others to be there because that, that's a truth for them there where they're learning. Uh, there's another saying that Jesus has that um, to give milk to babes. 
Oh my gosh. And some people have had those experiences and it's almost created a mental breakdown when conscious just throws it all on them. I've worked with a couple of clients where they just woke up, right? Like, and they were like, and their whole world changed, but not everybody came in to be able to experience it at that kind of a crisis level. Right. And so it's this idea, you can only give milk to babes. So for those that are in that languaging or in that paradigm or in that experience, there's nothing wrong with it. You drip, the next consciousness will drip to them until they're ready, whether that be from us or someone else or a book or whatever, right? But if we took the whole book and like threw it at them, you know, like they would call us crazy, right? Because they can't hear it, see it. So we meet everybody where they're at, including those that are meeting us going, oh, there's more. You know, I remember one of my good friends, she would always say kind of the Jesus complex. And now as I'm going through this, I'm like, maybe I went through that. I wouldn't have necessarily labeled it that, but that kind of sounds like some things that I was doing too. But again, it's unconscious because you haven't been given. Jesus complex. And I, and I might be calling it wrong, but it's kind of like, kind of like when you have your first awakening, your first healing, like you want to go out and preach it to everybody. And that's like the Jesus, like you're now Jesus and you're going to go around. You believe you're not saying you're Jesus, but you're basically going around and taking this truth and saying, everybody has to have it. It's like a Jesus complex. I think it's called something else, but that's what it's coming out as right now. So I'm going to leave it and stop pestering it. And so now that I'm, I've been given more and more and more, I'm going, oh, yeah, when I had that healing, because I mean, we can equate it to a passion, we can equate it to a desire for humanity. But what we're missing is maybe that's not their path, or maybe that's not the way for them, or maybe that's too much for them. And we have to drip it, <laughs> or maybe not today, maybe it's tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. But it's beyond that listening to spirit. And it goes back into that human conditioning, that human, well, if they just read the right book. Just read the right truth. My whole essence like shrivels up when someone does that to me. You know, if they're like, because you know what your issues are, right? Like, you know where your blocks are. You may not know exactly how to move through them, but you're not blind to them a lot lot of the time. Other times you are. You know, sometimes the things we're not aware of, but we're aware of how they're manifesting in a way. So when someone's just like, you have to heal that or you're going to, what you know, like, I think there's a way to share what what's been clearly shared to you with respect and care for the other person's soul not in a way of like oh, I'm being told this about you it's like Egh. my whole essence <laughs> starts to reject it's kind of like this like there was a woman on Facebook and I guess she had had surgery or something for whatever reason I decided to go all in her comments that was quite interesting now this is a person in the spiritual field and so then Therefore, a lot of people responding were in the spiritual field. And it was like, you just need to heal your third chakra. Or, oh, this is because, and I was just, and I'm like, and this poor woman, I just remember feeling like no one was listening and everyone was Jesus. Like everyone's like, if you just do this, you're going to heal it that fast. But it doesn't, there's, there's no fruitage behind that but truth be told I was that like if I'm honest 
it's kind of like what I said. I just thought if people went down and worked with the shamans and took the medicine, they too would have the same healing experience. But it comes from naiveness, right? Not they're willfully trying to do this. And so when we can hold that from that perspective, then in essence, we're blessing them for a deeper consciousness to be able to unfold through them versus holding them in bondage to that one moment in time in their naiveness. So again, we're, we're staying in the light, holding them in the light, not with what their words and what they're throwing, what they're saying. In most cases, it's super easy in the perceived brokenness to say, that's not who you are. But what I have found to be the more challenging is those that are spiritual. I get a lot of clients that come to see me and they say, oh, but I know. I had a client tell me, I know a lot of spirituality. I've been down this road. I do a lot of research. I know what a shaman is. I know, I know, I know, I know. And then I just answered with, perhaps it's not from just the mind knowing. Because if your mind knew, as, as you're saying it does, wouldn't you, would you even come to me? Because you already know. And knowing to me then is the health is the abundance. Like you don't even have to tell people you know because you're demonstrating it. And I say that because even I fall into that trap. I know. <laughs> Those are like my key words. And then I go, oh, wait a minute. Mm -mm. Here we go. I know nothing. I, I, read, um, I went to a presentation. She said something really, really beautiful that's always stuck with me. And it was if you are receiving healing, give your body, your spirit, and your heart permission to receive what you're meant to. Like ask all the protectors and the guards to stand down. All the pieces that know, stand down. Like what am I to receive here? I was guided here. In being the client, that's a really beautiful way for me to receive because I probably, it sounds odd, but part of what actually gave me confidence to step into doing this work was that I went around to, to a few healers at a time I was really broken into women's circles and I was like I know there was this, there was an arrogance in that of like but at the same time like a deeper knowing that I had my own healing so I had to figure it out and that was the way to do it but yeah like a resistance to what they were saying and I think that's also why I I, I don't mind when people are in that because I was in that 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 space yes exactly of of being in a in a group and having resistance but now I now I uh, translate that resist like that resistance or that oh you don't know to oh they're actually doing something I'm meant to be doing and I haven't yet embodied that I haven't had the courage to step into owning being the healer or own at that time you know I don't necessarily think of myself in that way now but owning being the healer or owning running women's circles I hadn't I hadn't done it so, of course, I'm sitting there like, I know, never having had to hold the energy of having people's attention on you, hold the energy of speaking your truth publicly. That's that's a whole other skill set that you don't aren't aware of when you're receiving, I think. You're um, giving, you're, you're receiving the milk for babe, right? Like you're receiving as you're ready to walk. You start to see more and more, well, who or what is really doing the healing? So what are you, what or who are you really holding? you're instead of holding the people you're holding the divine conscious not even holding the you're allowing the space of divine consciousness to do the holding and what i found in that is as you deepen into that conscious awareness it gets lighter 
and lighter and lighter. And then it's so bright and so light, what needs to be protected? God is already the, the healthy abundance, the infinite space, the grace. And so you're just allowing that out. You're like the poets write about, let that splendor out. Like Jesus, like when he healed, he would just walk in the room and they would heal. And we don't, at least I've never heard it. Maybe it's out there, but I've never heard it like, well, Jesus was protecting himself or holding the space or had 50 crystals in his backpack or, you know, like, you know, I just have never. So when you put it kind of to that, you're like, oh, you know what I mean? Or Buddha. I mean, you choose whoever you want. But it was as soon as they walked in the room, it happened because what they're holding for truth. And this is why Jesus could say, like, what hindered you get up and walk? And we can't do that. Can't go to a cripple man and say, what hindered you get up and walk? <laughs> right. Like, unless we're coming with the fruitage of that consciousness, then that cripple will get up and walk. But again, who's doing and what's doing the healing? So yeah, it's it's fascinating, right? So as we keep growing and keep getting that drip of consciousness that's preparing us for the next and the next and the next. Because this is something I not struggle with, but that I sometimes sit on that boundary where some people will have that language of like, oh, I'm being attacked by spirit. You know, like it'll be this this discussion of this is coming in evil. And and for me, I'm like, I don't see the world that way. Like not to say there aren't energetics that aren't ideal, but it's energy. So it's not evil. In the hu- in the human condition, there's positive negative. But what's positive to one could be negative to another. And what's negative to one could be positive to another. And sometimes that very negative thing becomes a positive outcome, right? But all of that's in the human thought form. When you're, this is my understanding of healing, healing happens because there is no positive or negative. You're not being judged. Okay, I'll I'll heal the, the heroin addict, but not the mom that committed adultery or vice versa. When people come to me and they say, the negative energy or this and that and this is kind of tough you know because a lot of people have this and I believe it's even more in the west than it is even in traditional shamanism because I always say when I went down there I've never heard any of the shamans I worked with talk about entities attachments any of it (laughs) like it's it's a western in my limited experience it's a western thing when shamanism came here and people taking off and because the genre I practiced with, it was about love and forgiveness and compassion. There was no, watch out, because I, I get clients, they'll say, either for themselves or other people. Like I had this one girl, well, what about my mom? Does she have an entity on her, an attachment because she's an alcoholic? I had another client, someone told her her bad luck was because of an entity. Like she she had an attachment. She told me this after the session, and she had this profound healing. Instead of answering it, I asked her a question. I said, how do you feel now? And she looked at me in my eyes, and she said, I was never broken. So again, I kind of feel like we have to be careful because that's a malpractice. <laughs> like, But we don't know. Again, it goes back to we don't, 
we don't know how our language and how we mean it or don't mean it. And, and so we're trapped into responding in that way by the way the question is framed. Kind of say it like this. Well, you believe in an infinite source. Maybe you call it God or something like that, but you believe it's infinite. I've used this example a lot. And they say yes. And they say, okay, how can you have infinite and? So you're basically saying this thing you need to protect yourself from, this entity or this attachment, is infinite and. And, and that's just not the definition of infinite. And so that means this thing is really a belief in two powers. You have a human belief in two powers, and you're calling this one power good, and you're calling this other power bad. And once you can raise above two powers, that's where healing happens, because you've let it all go. Again, until there's spiritual fruitage behind it, there's no opening. I'll give you a perfect example. For some reason today, I was listening to this killer and he talked about the prodigal son and he said, the prodigal son was never like a, a human, like a child. The prodigal son was the human mind and the prodigal son going home to the father was never the human father. It was the human mind going back to the divine mind, Right even as I'm saying it now, there's fruitage behind it. So I had this aha, but how many times have I listened to that particular tape and I didn't hear it? I didn't get the depth of that scripture at that level. And you can work with one towel or one scripture or one phrase of Buddha and the doors will keep opening to that truth. I mean, why are those truths around for thousands and thousands of years, regardless of what we've called devil, that now we are calling entity or attachment or positive or negative, right? Like, I feel like we think we've gotten sophisticated and all we've done is relabel devil, but that's what the mind does. It goes, oh, we figured it out. We just have to call it this. And now we know again so until true. we realize. You don't, <laughs> which is probably the, the narrative of this discussion. <laughs> as, as we wind towards a close, is there anything that you feel to communicate like to the collective of those who will be listening? Or Let's start here. The first, I keep hearing this repeated, so I'll just go there. You were never broken. You were never, you are never, you will never be broken. You will never be a branch cut from the tree. It's only the belief that you're broken or the belief that you are a branch separate from the tree. But your eternal light, your eternal source, even underneath that veil and that mask, one day you will know, I have never left you nor forsaken you, that you are my eternal son or daughter and you I can feel it you, did you feel that fruitage right there I cannot make that happen okay but it makes you want to cry knowing so it's the world that tells us we're broken it's the world that tells us we're a branch cut from the tree be not of this world be in it but not of it 
to whomever reaches this. May this serve. May this serve. May this serve. I love you. And there's the fruit. And there's the fruit. The whole thing was nothing. And then there was the fruit. That is the experience. That's the spiritual fruitage that I'm talking about. And that was not my doing or your doing, but the doing through us. I'm really grateful that you honored and held this space of the change in me at the beginning. It, I feel like it gave me permission to just let it flow, not hold back. Yeah. and just completely trust whoever needs to find this yeah. will find it and if not they'll just walk five centimeters near it love you, love you. Love you. <laughs> bye